Welcome to a holiday encore presentation of the Contracting Officer Podcast. We're taking the week off to spend time with our families, and we hope you're doing that too. We're also using this opportunity to bring back one of our favorite episodes about, about keeping communications tight. It's called Cut the Blah Blah. And last thing before we get started, it is the time of year where we say thanks. So we'd like to say thank you again for being a Contracting Officer Podcast listener. We started this thing with the simple goal of trying to share context between government and industry acquisition professionals to make their jobs a little easier. And here we are five plus years later with thousands of listeners trying to make government contracts better, one contract at a time. All right, let's get started. What was your Mark Twain quote again? If I had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter. I love the simplicity of it. You know, it's an elegant way of you know, personalizing this concept of less is more. Is that I would have written you a shorter letter if I had more time. It's harder to say what you mean concisely. Yeah, it takes more time to get there. And government contracting is an, you know, the stuff we talk about is an ideal environment to stand out if you both personalize, you know, making it targeted to your customer, and use the less is more strategy. If you take the time to give less dense content. And yes, I, I hear the collective eye roll <laughs> from everybody who hears this because they're saying, well, it's government contracting. Of course, it's going to be dense. But that's my point is that nobody tries to make it less dense because we all just roll our eyes and go, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be thick. It's supposed to be wordy. It doesn't have to be. If we focus our efforts on making the communication from both sides personalized and less dense, then the receiver, i.e. the listener, the, the reader, the receiver of the RFP, the receiver of the, of the proposal, they're more likely to actually hear us and understand what we're talking about. This is actually a painful topic for us in the podcasting world. Less is more is harder than you would think. We could talk for an hour or more on every single topic, but it takes a lot of time and energy for us, for me and you, Kevin, to call the content down to the parts that are most important. Then after we do that, it's even more effort to muzzle ourselves and keep what we're talking about on when we actually record short and concise. And then I spend time cutting that down even more, editing it, trying to, trying to get our podcast episodes to 20 minutes. And I usually fail at that. But we try our best to hit 20 minutes and usually achieve at least keeping them less than 30 minutes. And 30 minutes is about the sweet spot for a podcast. And that's based on feedback from our listeners. Uh, when I had the podcast feedback sessions, one of the questions I ask is what's the right amount of time? And pretty much everybody said it's 30 minutes because that's kind of like the average commute, but that's also how much they can digest. In this episode, we're going to talk about using the less is more strategy in both RFPs and proposals. And yes, I hear the collective eye roll once again. Before our eyes roll all the way back in our heads, let's stop and say thanks. <laughs> I would say thanks this week to Michael Moffitt. He's a project manager at uh, HECO. It's H-E-C-O. It might be HECO or HECO. Uh, we'll say HECO Engineers out in Nampa, Idaho. Michael is also a longtime podcast listener, and he's also a Skyway community member. And he's also a former contracting officer. I want to thank Michael for liking and sharing our content on LinkedIn so more people find it and also for being an early member of the Skyway community. Thanks, Michael. Okay, back to less is more. Marketing, by its nature, is supposed to be vague. It's, marketing's full of blah, blah. 
I mean, it's clickbait. It's building promises in your mind so that you'll go talk to a company. That's what marketing is. It's, it's full of extra words. It's has things like extemporaneous and it's verbose and it it's sesquipedalic, which is a big word that you think, by the way, it means long-winded, ironically. But it really helps you understand when you see stuff like that, that's marketing. That's what blah, blah looks like. Saying lots of words to make you think and feel good about something without a whole lot of specifics and promises in there that you'll have to back up later. That's what I think of when I see marketing. It's not lying, but it's definitely leading. And, and it, the purpose of marketing is to lead you to the next stage. But marketing is not the last stage. And proposals and RFPs tend to be closer to the last stage. So they need to be more specific. And we know what blah, blah looks like when we see it or, or we hear it for that matter. I think company or office mission and vision statements are just full of blah, blah. The, the poor ones anyway. I don't know about you, Kevin, but – on the government side, I went to several different classes or sessions with a consultant to help define the mission of a government office that I was in. Same on the industry side. What's the mission and vision of, of your organization, your group, your division? It's funny because when I've been with these consultants and they walk you through the process, they actually have all these steps that get you to add more and more blah, blah that takes you farther away from what the actual mission and vision is or farther away from anyone being able to understand what it is. And I Googled some for you. All right, I'll read these. First, we challenge what you think you know, push you to outperform what you thought was possible for you and help you create an advantage from every opportunity. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's, that's a good statement. I'm not sure what that company does, but they, they, they challenge and push and help. Okay. Didn't everybody do <laughs> yeah. Didn't everybody do that? Next one. This company unites our experts in strategy, development, design, innovation, and experience who work together across the globe to harness the power of brand for growth. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, you heard the pause there. So I think I, I think I get the harness the power of brand. Those words actually mean something to me. But the rest of it really leads me away from what that might mean, if that's what they're getting at there. And we saved the best one for last. Yeah, this one's, this one's long. I'll take a deep breath. We develop creative, comprehensive, and sustainable solutions for our customers to thrive. Equipped with an intimate understanding of local intricacies, world-class talent, and proactive leadership, our team plans, designs, manages, and engineers long-lasting and impactful solutions to uniquely complex problems. Wow. <laughs> I have what? no idea what that company does. How does that help me? That is right there. That If blah, that, if you, blah, blah was in the dictionary, they should use that as the definition because that is mission, vision, statement, consultant speak gone wild. Use every word you can think of but don't actually say what you do. So funny story is that world-class was one of those like proposal word bingo. When you see, when you see the phrase world-class in somebody's mission statement, that means they went to one of those management classes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 and to be fair, I'll, let's see if everybody thinks that, that Skyway's mission statement is blah, blah. So Skyway's mission statement is use the former contracting officer's perspective to help people know more, win more, and do more in the government market. So I'll let you all decide if that's because you know I, I can't I can't throw rocks if I'm not you know looking right. at, the, at the mirror here. So 
that seems pretty tight. I have a good idea of what Skyway actually does. I don't understand from that how they do it, but I don't have to from that. I get the gist. At least it doesn't say through through your world class talent, proactive local intricacy solutions. <laughs> Those are the kind of things that hit me. That's why I picked this one because there are so yeah. many extra words that that you have no idea off. what it actually means. Yeah, it pops off the page. Okay, enough be, enough being mean. What we're talking about is writing a whole lot of words that don't really have any meaningful content. You read them, and you don't know what it means. In other words, we're taking marketing content and applying it to proposals. And so if that section that we just read, if that, that mission of the company, if that's in the proposal, that's blah, blah, because it lacks context. It lacks you know connectivity to the customer. It lacks a reason to be there other than to fill space and say, hey, here's our mission statement. We have one. Check. You know, box is checked. And it's not the concept of blah, blah isn't about short versus long. It's about context. It's about the meaningful part, right? Yeah, it, it can be too short to be meaningful. You can have <laughs> you can have a sentence that says "We're awesome." Okay, that's not meaningful. Right. <laughs> it's, too, it's short. Yeah, great. It fits on you know in two words, but it needs to be effective. And and one of the ways is focus on targeting and depth. And so what I mean by targeting is you, you're targeting the message to the customer, knowing what they care about. Select the parts of your content that they care about, and and by the way, delete the parts they don't care about. That's what targeting looks like. That's why we talk so much about targeting, not only on here, but also with Skyway. And then the other piece is depth. Depth is examples. That, that's why they care. Like targeting is what you're doing, why you're doing it for them, but depth is why they care. Give me examples of how you've done this. That's past performance. You, you have to have some depth to your content. And you can see those mission statements and plenty of proposals. They say, we will do this. There's no depth to that. Yeah. And why does doing that matter? It's, it's providing that value. It's linking what you're going to do to how that provides value to the reader. Before we give the impression that we're just beating on the industry side, this applies to RFIs, RFPs, and, and yes, statements of work. Statements of work are notorious for this. I mean, that's why this is a thinking job, is that this level of targeting and depth needs to be in all of the content. Again, it's not easy, but it's what makes government contracts better. You don't have to think to write a long story full of blah, blah. You have to think to make it short and meaningful and still cover everything that you need to cover. And targeted to the receiver of the content. All this talk today about blah, blah is centered in the acquisition time zones. There's a whole lot of blah, blah that occurs during the execution time zones as well. But today we're really just talking about acquisition time zones. It starts in the requirement zone where you're trying to define a tight requirement that describes exactly what you need without a lot of extraneous requirements that add cost, and complexity. All that nebulous inflow is just blah, blah. In the market research zone, this is where we're doing RFIs, draft RFPs. There's a lot of marketing in this phase. It sometimes is hard to figure out exactly what they're talking about. When you get to the RFP zone and you lock it down to this is exactly what we need, you better have cut out a lot of that blah, blah. Because when you get to the source selection zone, the last zone, and you receive the proposal, if you have released an RFP full of blah, blah with requests for blah, blah, that's what you're going to get, and that's what you're going to have to evaluate. Let's get back to a, why avoiding all the blah, blah is important. Sifting through blah, blah, if anybody who's looked at marketing, you know what I mean by this, it's a time vampire. It's not a value-added exercise. You're trying to figure out, you're trying to pick out the meaningful content amidst all the blah, blah. 
being aware that blah, blah exists is the first step towards seeing it. We had a proposal we helped a customer with and they had a proposal manager and they wrote all this content and then they gave it to me as the red team reviewer, as you know, the former contracting officer. And right out of the gate, I pulled off like an entire paragraph that said, this is all about you. The customer doesn't care about this. And it was interesting. It was all true. It was all great marketing material, but it wasn't relevant to this particular requirement. And because all, you know, they, they'd shaped it well, it, it was a waste of, you know, what, a quarter of a page. And then once he started seeing it, then he started seeing it everywhere. The question then becomes, do we see it when we write blah, blah? And I can tell you from personal experience, I don't see my blah, blah, as well as, as the people around me do. It seems we're way better at seeing other people's blah, blah than our own. Yeah, I can vouch for that. When I look at the first draft of content for the next podcast, there's all kinds of blah, blah in there that we edit out. And like I was saying before, even after we edit it out, then we record it and insert a bunch back in of things that we didn't think about before. And then I do more editing to get it out to try to keep these things short enough. And when I, when I started Skyway, I was, our website was full of blah, blah. I actually wrote on the website, we help you navigate the Byzantine federal contracting process. And I look back on that and I'm like, Byzantine? Really? I used the word Byzantine? And I, I did. But once I asked the team to give me their unfiltered feedback, which that was on the website for like three days, and Shelly was like, seriously, <laughs> you're going to use that word? But it's because I have an English degree and, you know, because it, it, I've, I've got blah. We all have this ability to create blah, blah. And so you got to have people that will look for it for you. It's important to have external reviewers for the RFP and for the proposal because it's like you're saying, when your head's down writing it, you don't recognize it as well. Even if you go back and review it, when you're reviewing your own, you don't see it like a new set of eyes sees it. It's one of the reasons that people bring us in for red team reviews is so they can get a former CEO's unfiltered perspective on their proposal before they submit it. And it's the reason I send you the edit, the unedited content so that you can shred out all the stuff that's extra. Let's go a little bit deeper into why the government cares. RFIs, draft RFPs, and RFPs in general, they can be full of blah, blah. And blah, blah is nonspecific, untargeted, general requirements that, that lead to proposals that are full of blah, blah. Yeah, many times it's just a result of the cut and paste RFP development methodology. You just take the last one, change the words that, that specify what you want to buy, and you leave the rest. I, I did that too. <laughs> so did I. There are just too many acquisitions to start from scratch every time, and that would be needlessly reinventing the wheel anyway. I'm just trying to say that once you cut and paste from source material or templates, you have to actually read the document and purge it of all the blah, blah that doesn't apply to this acquisition. It may not be possible to blah, blah proof your RFP against getting proposals from offers that are going to have blah, blah in them. But taking the blah, blah out of the RFP as much as you can, which can be done by draft RFPs and having industry look at it first, that will decrease the chances of you getting blah, blah in the proposals that you receive. I think getting the maximum page count for each section right is your best bet at reducing needless content, reducing the blah, blah. The government needs to give the offers enough pages to answer all of the section L&M requirements and no more. And that's, that's hard. I'm not saying anyone magically knows how many pages it'll take to, to fully describe this requirement or the solution to this requirement. And the best way to find out is to ask industry. Make that your first RFI based on the requirement that we have. What's a reasonable amount of pages? And yes, you're going to get different answers, but 
you decide, take an average of the answer. Right, right. Put them all together. You'll get an idea. There might be an outlier in there. But industry will tell you. They don't want to write more than they have to because it takes time and money. Whole sections of RFPs can be blah, blah. It's not just like the technical or the management or any of the other sections that you're used to seeing. A lot of times it's in the attachments. Take a look at everything that you're asking for in section L and ask yourself, is this a regulatory requirement? Like, does this come from the FAR? Do I have to ask offers to provide this information? Ask yourself, will it help me differentiate between offers' capabilities? Will this help me understand who has the best chance of successfully delivering what I'm asking for within the time and budget allotted? If you don't get a yes to those questions, then cut that section out. One of the best ways to do this is have someone else look at it before it goes out, whether it's industry or internal peer reviews, that kind of stuff. And I get it. That takes time. That's the argument against doing it is we don't have time to – it's that whole thing. If we don't have time to do it right the first time, but we have time to do it twice. Okay. Right. We don't have time to make this shorter. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, Back to the Mark Twain. It, it, targeting communication narrows the gap between the sender and the receiver. While that sounds like blah, blah, what that means is if you target the communication to I need to know how many pages you industry are going to need. That is targeted communication. You should get like an email that has like you know, one sentence that says, we need 50 pages. We need 700 pages. Obviously, the truth is somewhere in between. When I was a conferencing officer, I was doing a peer review of a large multiple award IDIQ contract it was there for technical services. There were four evaluation criteria. The first one evaluated their staffing plan, how they were going to get these people. The second one talked about how they're going to keep them, the retention plan of how you're going to keep them because the turnover was a big problem on this contract in the past. And so there was how you're going to keep them. And then the fourth evaluation criteria was looking at their recruiting plan, how they were going to find people. And they all sound great, right? But then when you look at them and because I'm a fresh set of eyes coming to this. And I said, well, the first one talks about how you're going to get them. The second one talks about how you're going to keep them. And then the, the fourth one, which is the recruiting plan, kind of does the same thing. And then it was obvious that, oh, we don't need the fourth one. So what ended up happening is it went from four evaluation criteria down to three. And not because I'm a savant, but because I was the fresh set of eyes. And that's what this looks like. Less time to write it and not regurgitate the same material in different sections. Less time to evaluate it. Less time to review it. This is what we're talking about. And it, it took an extra half a day to go through the whole thing, but it saved, what, a couple thousand hours? On <laughs> Overall, it could have. Yeah. Which leads us to why industry cares about this. Too much of this blah, blah required in proposals leads to additional proposal fatigue. You're going to feel the fatigue when you're writing a proposal anyway, but writing a whole bunch of stuff that isn't really relevant to satisfying the requirement is even more painful. And it can lead to your proposal being non-responsive. When, when you're just churning out a long story, I've seen proposals that kind of lose track of what the government's asking for in section L&M. You get so wrapped up in the story you're telling because you have so much space to tell it that you forget what you're trying to tell. If the max page count is 50 pages, industry will write 50 pages. It's expensive. It can be exhausting and likely not necessarily relevant if the real answer can be done in 30 or 40 or, or 45 or 48. There's a right number of pages out there. And the best way to find out what that number is, is to communicate. Back to Mark Twain. I can't remember a proposal effort where we got all of the sections of the proposal written to the section L&M requirements. And then we said, well, 
We need five more pages to get to the max page count, so let's start filling some space. It's, it's usually <laughs> the exact opposite. It's very painful to cut your content down to that page limit and still answer all of the RFP requirements completely. It takes longer and it is harder to write a concise proposal that is fully compliant than to write a long one that covers everything just in case. And that's the beauty. Mark Twain said it in just a few words. It took me a paragraph to say what he said in a few words. All those extra words, they eat up pages. And pages are limited, right? So you got to use them wisely. I was doing a red team review, another one for a client. And there was, I kid you not, five pages of, it was graphics. And, you know, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't a block of text. But there was five pages devoted to the history and philosophy of their company. And while interesting from a marketing perspective, maybe from a recruiting perspective, it was 10% of the 50 pages. And once I pointed out that the customer really doesn't care about all this extra stuff, they care about your ability to deliver. Now, parts of that were relevant to delivery, but they were so buried in that five pages of blah, blah, that I couldn't see it. To industry, I'd say, do not write anything that doesn't specifically address something that's requested in section L and helps you meet the evaluation criteria in section M. The government can't give you strengths for things that they didn't say they're going to evaluate. So you might have the best idea in the world, but if they didn't ask you to solve that problem, they can't say, we're going to award this company because they have a great idea for something we didn't ask for. If the government asks you for an executive summary, this is usually not an evaluated part of the proposal. That's where you tell your story. That's where you tell the company history and philosophy. In the rest of the proposal, don't spend your time telling a lot of stories that aren't specifically relevant to what the government has asked for. Instead, focus that time on those stories that are specifically relevant, because that's the stuff that makes the difference. It's taken us a lot of time to keep this short, so let's wrap it up. (laughs) I don't even know if that's the right way to say that. I love how you have a different segue for our wrap-up each time. On the government side, so after evaluating a few hundred proposals, contracting officers tend to get really good at spotting blah blah in proposals. Don't forget to look for it in the RFPs and particularly in the statements of work that we send out to industry. Blah, blah is on both sides. So be aware of it. Yeah, Shelley Hall is one of the best I've seen at, at spotting blah, blah and throwing it away. Yeah, I think the reason our website is so clean is because Shelley has cut out so much of my blah, blah. On the industry side, when you're reviewing RFPs, when assuming you get a draft RFP or you get some RFIs, point out the blah, blah. Point out what the government is asking for that's not relevant to what they're trying to buy and how they're trying to evaluate the proposals. And, and that could be because the government team doesn't realize that it's not relevant. It was yeah. relevant last time in the last RFP, but that was five years ago. Right. And then, of course, look for it in your proposals. Have somebody look over your proposals to say, wow, how much blah, blah is in here? I'll pile onto that. Industry, let the government know if they're asking for information that is not required to differentiate offers. How are they going to tell who is the best at this? And of course, this goes back to shaping. How are they going to tell that you're the best at this? But help them recognize that cut and paste, blah, blah, and and get it out of there. It doesn't help anyone. All right, that's it for today. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us. If you need help weeding the blah, blah out of your proposals, Skyway Acquisition can help. Visit askskyway.com to learn more. We'll see you next week.
because it's it's based on blah blah. It's based on air. I need to delete that. Um, so I want you to say something like that, but I want it to be no blah blah. 